listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Wednesday the 24th of November. This is a recap made for you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. Here is the disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there, Alice. Hey, Jose. Hey, before we get into it, yeah. I actually have a quick uh, public service announcement to make. Oh, well, let's do it, yes. A um, PSA. Yeah. Um, so I was reading today that US markets are going to be closed on Thursday and for half the day on Friday because it's Thanksgiving. Ah, that's a very good uh, PSA. That's excellent. Cause, uh, yeah, I feel be... like public holidays quite often fall, you know, on a Friday or a Monday, but no, this one's on a Thursday. Um, so yeah, US markets will be closed, and which means you can't buy or sell shares uh, that are listed on those US exchanges during that time. That's excellent. I imagine that might have tripped up quite a few people. So thanks for that, Alice. No worries. With that done, let's uh, start off locally, Alice. What has been happening? Yeah, so uh, Serco released their half-year financial results and also announced a capital raise. Ah, right. So can you firstly maybe remind us what Serco does? Absolutely. So Serco is a technology company. Uh, they provide software solutions for corporate travel. So specifically, they offer an online booking tool for corporate travel. And then they also offer an expense management solution that corporates can use uh, for their employees to manage their cash claims, uh, their corporate credit cards, claiming mileage and things like that. And since we're talking about them today, I presume that Serco is a listed company, right? That's right. Serco is listed on both the New Zealand and Australian stock exchanges. Uh, it has a market cap of around 848 million New Zealand dollars. So Serco is headquartered in New Zealand, but they are a global company. Uh, according to their website, they have over 6,000 corporate customers across 35 countries, uh, including Asia Pacific, North America, the UK and Europe. Mm, thanks very much for that overview. So tell me more about Serco's news today. Sure thing. So these results are for the six months ended 30th of September 2021. Uh, now, Serco's total operating revenue increased by 81% from the same period a year ago to $9.2 million. Another company said that that was in part driven by fewer COVID-19 lockdowns in the first part of those six months compared to this time last year when disruptions to travel due to the pandemic were at their peak. Now, this uh, also helps see the recovery in the the number of travel bookings made through Serco's platform. That number increased 157% from around half a million this time last year to 1.3 million uh, for these past six months. Mm, okay, so but what about Serco's profit? Yeah, the company is loss making. They made a $15 million loss for the six months, and that's greater than the $10 million loss that they made this time last year. Now, what the company's put that down to is actually a planned increase in the amount of money that they're spending, which they said is to capitalize on the significant opportunities for Serco's expansion into international markets. Uh, so basically, the company said that they're intentionally spending more money uh, as an investment 
moment as there's global opportunities that are emerging as travel markets recover from COVID. Mm. So to guess I'd say that's linked to the capital raise you mentioned? That's right. So as I mentioned right at the start, Serco also announced that they're doing a capital raise. Uh, They're looking to raise $85 million, which they say is so they can continue to execute on their global growth strategy. Now, Serco is looking to raise $75 million of this through a share placement that's taking place today. And then they're looking to raise the other $10 million from eligible existing shareholders through a retail offer. Uh, that's not happening quite yet, though. Serco said they'd release more details about this at the end of the month. Mm. And finally, how did Serco's share price react to the news? Uh, well, we don't know. Serco uh, is actually in a trading halt while the share placement takes place. Then once that's completed, Serco will begin trading again, uh, which means you can buy and sell shares once more. Great stuff, that's why we're here. Uh, Thanks very much, Alice. Cool, let's head overseas. There's some news coming out of the States affecting some big name chains, Jose. Yes, uh, you're right. A jury has found that three pharmacy chains, chains, excuse me, CVS, Walmart and Walgreens, had a role in the opioid drug crisis, which has killed half a million people in the US over the past two decades. So it feels like there's quite a bit of background here. Uh, first, can you explain what the opioid crisis is? Sure. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpick, so bear with me. But uh, this has been and still is a huge public health problem in the US. So a lot of researchers trace it back to the 1990s when pharmaceutical companies were marketing opioids to doctors as pain relief, pain relief medication. Now, opioids are a classification of drugs that are either derived from or are designed to mimic opium. Uh, Some of the more common ones you might have heard of are codeine or even morphine. So basically it's claimed that the pharmaceutical companies uh, assured doctors that prescription opioids uh, like oxycodone for example, they they assured uh, doctors that they weren't addictive or were perhaps way less addictive than other drugs. So doctors started prescribing them in greater numbers but as it turns out uh, actually a lot of these opioids are very, very addictive indeed. So you might, for example, uh, get a doctor's prescription for a painkiller to treat pain um, from a toothache, for example. And once your course was done, you'd find yourself completely addicted to the opioid. And so people either had to get clean by going cold turkey and experiencing you know, uh, terrible with withdrawal symptoms, or they'd have to move on to other drugs like heroin to feed that addiction. In fact, um, I was reading a statistic that said about 80% of people using heroin have started with a prescription to another opioid. In 2017, more than 47,000 Americans died as a result of an opioid overdose. But CVS, Walgreens and Walmart aren't uh, the big like pharmaceutical companies no. that are making the drugs, are they? Why were they on trial? So this is the first time any pharmacy companies have completed a trial related to the opioid crisis. There have been other trials focusing on other parts of the drug industry, like distributors and drug makers uh, like Johnson & Johnson, for example. Now, this particular trial was held in Ohio as on behalf of two counties hit hardest by the crisis there. It's estimated that opioids caused hundreds of deaths and cost $1 billion in just those two districts alone. Now, the county's lawyers argued that the three chains didn't do enough to make sure that the pills didn't get into the wrong hands and could 
in fact, contributed to the flood of pain pills that hit that, both those counties. Uh, I mean, one, in one of the counties, for example, 80 million painkillers were dispensed over the course of five years. It was estimated that that's 400 for every resident. Okay, so the jury found the three companies had a role in all of this. How did CVS, Walgreens and Walmart respond? Right, so all the companies say they will appeal the verdict. Uh, they all denied the allegations and their arguments range from claiming that there were legal errors made um, during the course of the trial and that it's the doctors and the drug makers who are the ones to blame. <laughs> Usually you're on the Elon Musk desk, Jose, but I hope you don't mind me taking over for today. I will allow this. It's highly irregular, but I will. Uh, but what's been happening in Tesla land? Uh, so this story didn't come from Tesla directly itself, but instead um, there's some news stories that are based on some publicly available construction plans that Tesla's filed with Texas regulators. Uh, now, according to a CNBC story, it looks like the electric car maker will be making a sizable investment on a new vehicle factory. Okay, so what kind of investment are we talking about here? Uh, well, according to these documents, it appears that Tesla will spend around a billion US dollars on the so-called Gigafactory. Now, according to the filings, uh, this new factory will be based in Austin, Texas, on a parcel of land that's about 809 hectares in size. Uh, and it will make a whole bunch of Tesla cars like the Cybertruck and the Model 3 and Y series. Now, Tesla's also building a Gigafactory in Germany. Mm, so what's a, what's a Gigafactory when it's at home? Uh, well, they're basically huge Tesla factories usually for making electric batteries for, for their cars as well as other componentry. Uh, Tesla also has one in Nevada and another in Shanghai. And what's the time frame for building the factory? Uh, the plan is to have the major parts of the complex completed by the end of December. Uh, the factory was actually first announced in 2020 and is pretty important for the company because it recently announced plans to move its headquarters from California to Texas. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Alice. That was Recap for the 24th of November. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, absolutely. And don't forget to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out. If you'd like to get in touch, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz. And you can also leave a voice message. There is a link in the episode description. But we will be back. We will see you tomorrow. We sure will. Matiwa.